I'll be reading this morning from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And now the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, You may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. As John said uh, earlier, the retreat went well, and, and um, I love our elders, and our elders, and, and Alan and I love you. And um, that we're remind, I'm reminded of that every year, of how much your elders, our elders, uh, love each other and love you. There we go. If you've ever heard this poem, one bright day in the middle of the night, two dead boys got up to fight. Back to back they faced one another and they drew their swords and they shot each other. One was blind, the other couldn't see, so they chose a dummy for a referee. A blind man came to see fair play and a mute man came to shout hooray. A deaf policeman heard the noise, came and killed those two dead boys. A donkey with no legs came walking by and kicked the policeman in the eye. Sent him through a rubber wall into a dry ditch and drowned them all. And if you don't believe this lie is true, ask the blind man. He saw it too. I don't know if you've remember, growing up remembering that, that poem. Have you ever heard it? Okay, some people know. Some, some, I'm looking at our young people. But it's obvious that the poem contains lies. It doesn't take much sense to see that. But when we think about Satan's lies, some of them are hard to see. Some of them should be obvious to us. I'm going to talk for a little while this morning about Satan and lying. And whether we realize it or not, we've been told several things by him that just simply aren't true. And the Bible teaches us that Satan walks around as a, as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So we can think to ourselves, well, okay, he's out there. He's obvious. He's a roaring lion. He's making some noise. His goal is to get us and devour us. But the Bible also teaches us that he's a liar and he wants nothing more than to devour our relationship with God. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. You're a father of the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. And down in at the bottom of 844, he is a liar. He's the father. He's where the lies came from. He's the source of all lies. Satan is. And, and he will do whatever it takes to ruin our lives, to feed us lies that we might be guilty of believing. So for a few moments, for a little while this morning, we're going to look just at just a few, just three of Satan's many, many lies that he tells us. 
First one, Satan wants us to believe that the church is not important, that the church is not important. There is a world record for diving underwater, holding your breath, the distance for, for, for the single breath underwater distance, if not in a pool, 170 meters, 580 feet, more than three lengths of an Olympic size. That, that, that guy gets in there, holds his breath, swims to one side, swims and swims and swims, takes a few moments. The record was set three months ago. In a swimming pool, it's a little over 200 meters or four lengths of an Olympic sized pool. The current record, world record for holding your breath underwater. Current record, 24 minutes and three seconds. 24 minutes of holding your breath underwater. I was, I was getting ready and I was thinking, I wonder how many of our young people are holding their breath right now just to see how far, Blaine, how far, how long they can go. I was, the average person can hold their breath for two minutes. Carbon dioxide starts building up and you, your, your lungs start spasming. And you, you want to breathe and it's burning. And the reason I'm talking about this is because I think trying to live in this world as a Christian is like swimming underwater and, and, and not breathing throughout the week, trying to get to the other side of, of the week. And if we think about coming to worship services as, as taking a deep breath in preparation for going out into the world and trying to swim to the other end of the week, we can break it down like this. We're underwater. We're holding our breath. We're trying to get from here to the end of the week. And we think about coming to services. One time a week, we only get a shallow breath. Haven't gone to class. We just get a shallow breath. And we don't get too far before we start to drown. Our, our lungs are burning. And, and we have to take a breath, but we're underwater and we start to drown. We, we don't get too far. You know, t attending two services a week, you get a little bit more uh, breath to go across the week, get a deeper breath, but we still have to swim pretty far in order to make it to the end. Coming to class on Sunday morning and then two services, if we can swing that, we still have to make it through the week. But you think about this, coming together to class, service, blessed to be back Sunday night, and then we come together on Wednesday night, you get to take a breath right in the middle of your swim. And you think about the church is important. Why? Because it gives us a chance to catch our breath, to take a breath. And Satan doesn't want that. We, we don't need to be record holders in the swim of life. We will drown faster. Satan wants to detach Christians from, from the body of believers. He really does. That, that's the lie that he tells us. You don't need each other. You don't need to be around each other. But the truth is that God intended for the Christian life to be lived with the mindset that we belong to a family, that we are part of a body, and we breathe when we're together. Church attendance has been taking place. Get, get the gathering, gathering together of people to worship has take, been taking place for a long, long time. 
Acts 27, on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. First day of the week, and that's what we're doing. Church attendance isn't just a good thing for us to do. It's a necessary thing for us to do. Not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, drawing near. It's something that we need to be doing. Coming together on a regular basis, a frequent basis, will help us to breathe, to survive that long swim from one day to the next day, from Sunday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Friday. And then think about this. There are times when we get together throughout the week, different Christians, different, different times. We, when we read our Bible, we get to breathe. When, as we're praying, we're breathing. We don't have to go through life with just one spiritual breath. Satan wants us to drown. We need, we need to make sure that we don't miss an, out on an opportunity to be together as a church, as a body of believers. That's one of Satan's lies. Satan wants us to believe, tries to convince us, that sin is no big deal. Sin is no big deal. You can do what you want. If it's fun, do it. Enjoy it. Sin is not going to kill you. Sin is not going to hurt you. That woman, fascinating article I found several weeks ago. This woman is painting the face of a clock. And, and, and this is around 1917, 1920 or so. And she, she's painting the face of a clock with special paint that glows in the nighttime, in the dark. The paint's brand name, well, it makes, it makes the hands glow, it makes numbers glow, and she's hand-painting these. And hundreds and hundreds of girls were employed by these companies that made these glowing watch faces and hands. And they sat there, they got like 23 cents per face, clock face, and they made more than a lot of people at that time. The more clocks they can paint, the better. And, and the paint that they were using was called undark undark because it glowed it glowed but what they didn't know and they were told and they asked is this all right for us to do what they didn't know that that's radium they were painting with radium but they asked are you sure this is safe oh yes it's safe radioactive radioactive paint the method that they had these people, that these women paint, dip, lick, to make a point, and then paint. Dip, lick, lick, point, paint. They glowed. That paint glowed. They thought it was fun. These women thought it was fun to paint their teeth, paint their nails, paint things on their faces. They would come... They, they started noticing at night they could look in the mirror in the dark and see themselves glowing a little bit. And they started wearing their good dresses to work because that night they would go dancing and they were glowing. But they were convinced because the, the company leaders convinced them that this was a good thing. And they said a little radium puts some uh, gives you rosy cheeks. 
after a few years, after a few years, their teeth started falling out. But they had so much fun because they were told that it was safe and it was fun to play with. Their teeth started falling out, falling out, and I won't go into all the detail, but their jaws started just disintegrating. They started having uh, diff- different uh, tumors in different places, and, and they just started dying, these radium dial girls. But they were told, not harmless, and they had fun. And it was an excruciating way to die. But they were told that radium was no big deal. A lot of times sin is pictured as being fun. A lot of times Satan, Satan paints a picture of sin as being enjoyable. And, and I guess it is for the most part. Most sins are. But we just read from Genesis 3, 1 through 6, how Satan encouraged and convinced Eve Yes, this is, this is a good thing. You will enjoy this. You can be like a god if you eat this. And Eve listened to him and saw it, and she said, she said to herself, Ooh, this looks great. And she ate it. It's fun. You'll enjoy it. It's harmless. And she died. She died. And her husband died. And death, and death was a punishment because Satan had convinced her that, that, to, that, the, that sin is no big deal. The truth is, sin is serious and never should be taken highly. This, it kills you. It kills you. Genesis, uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Sin, is it enjoyable? Yes, for the most part, most sins are. Some anger and jealousy, that's not so enjoyable. But but for the most part, sin is enjoyable. Is it fun? Absolutely. Is it something you want to continue to do? do you, to do? Yes. Satan says, then do it. Paint yourself up. But you're going to die. You will die. Satan tries to convince us that, that, that sin is no big deal. Satan wants us to believe that we have plenty of time. That we have plenty of time. Has anyone heard about any wildfires lately? California wildfires? Have you ever heard this phrase, garden hose hero? Is it the, the, yeah, I read that phrase in an article about the wildfires in California. 220,000 acres at least have been burned. 220,000 fires all over, all over California. You can see from space, you can see these fires. You can see the smoke billowing out of California. You can see it. 75 mile per hour winds are blowing through these dry valleys. No hum- humidity. Firemen are describing it as uh, fire's coming and it's coming fast and, and things seem to be exploding. Because there's fuel all over the place. The houses are dry and propane tanks are blowing up all over the place. 40 deaths at least. But the deal is about those 40 deaths, 
A lot of them could have been avoided. A lot of them could have been avoided. And I was reading one article that said the people were hearing about the evacuation, mandatory evacuation, but a lot of them were trying to stay. You know why? They were staying to, to save their houses. And they were dying because of that. They're dying because of that mentality. They've decided to stay. But some of those flames reach 100 feet in the air. They're, they're warned to leave. They don't leave. And then the description is these, these, these flames are just flying over the hillside, flying through the trees, coming right at them. And about the time that they realize they need to go, it's too late. And you would think, I've thought about this. What would I do in the middle of a forest fire or something? Find water and get under it. People are dying in their swimming pools because they're trying to get to water, but they're, they're dying. The, the oxygen is, be, is being taken from them, and, and they're suffocating, the smoke inhalation. But it could have been avoided because they were warned. And I said, fire hose hero. Because that's how these people are described taking a garden, I mean a fire a garden hose hero, taking a garden hose and trying to put out the fire that is coming at them at a high rate of speed, high flames. They've been warned. They're in trouble. They realize it. And now it's too late. Satan tries to convince us You've got time. But we know there's a fire coming. And we know that there's trouble coming. And we know what we've done. And we know that we've gotten ourselves into trouble. But Satan wants us to believe that we have all the time in the world to enjoy the things of this life first. One of the, one of the people interviewed, a man said, I'm staying. Why? He was watching over. He was getting paid to watch over someone else's property. And he said, I'm in charge of this. And if, it, and if it burns down, I'm responsible for it. And so he stayed. And they don't know what happened to him. But the property's gone. One man decided that he would stay because he just got a brand new truck. And so he was dousing it with water, dousing it with water. The truck's gone. They don't know where he is, but most likely he, he's gone too. One man wouldn't leave because he had a dog with him. And he, and he put it in a truck. And they finally convinced him, they put it in his pickup, they finally convinced him to get out, to fly out by helicopter. Somehow the dog survived, but, but they don't know how because the fire had melted the, the, the tires off the truck. But pe people are making decisions. They know it's coming. They know there's a danger. They know it's almost too late. And they decide to stay. And then, and then it is too late. But we, we make that decision all the time. We know it's coming. We know we're in trouble. We know it's getting hot. I think I'll say why to I've got this pet sin I don't want to let die. I'm going to stay with this until it's too late. Why? Because I have these possessions that I just, they're, they're taking me away from God, but look at them. I'm going to stay. And when it's too late, it's too late, but I'm going to stay. I've got these people that, uh, that I, I'm in charge of them and, and I need to take care of them. Yeah, it's, just, it's just really, but I'm going to stay 
and I won't be able to save this, but I'm not going to end up because I'm not going to be able to save myself. I'm going to stay. Truth is that we're not promised a certain amount of time on earth. James 4.13, come now who, who you... You who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go into such and such a town, spend a year there, trade, make profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. We don't know when the time is coming. We've got no promises made to us about how long we're going to stay here. Mark 13, 32 through 33, concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So you, you know it's coming. You don't know when. Be on guard. Keep awake. You don't know when the time's going to come. But it is coming. And we have been warned. First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you know you don't need for me to write anything else to you. You yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You know it's happen, going to happen. While people are saying there's, there's peace and security, I'm fine. It, it's, some of the people interviewed um, that they wouldn't leave, and so they were interviewed before uh, the reporters left. They said, you know, it's just people are just overreacting. There's peace. There's peace and, and there's security. People are just making a big deal about, and now they can't find them. And now they can't find them and their houses are gone. Sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and, and, and they will not escape. So we need to make sure that we don't believe Satan's lie as he tries to trick us into thinking we have plenty of time to make our lives right with God. But that fire is too big to fight on our own with a garden hose. With a garden hose. We can't do it. And we're not, we're not told to stay in the fire as we are consumed. We're told to flee to God, to get rid of it. Satan's lies. The church is not important. Don't believe it. Sin is no big deal. That's a lie. Don't believe it. We have plenty of time. Absolute lie. Don't believe that. Satan wants nothing more than to, to take our lives and derail our lives and get our lives off track. A lot of times, though, he, he's effective. He's good at it. He's a liar. He's a source of lies. He's a father of lies. He'll convince you that it's okay to, to think a certain way, to do certain things, to act in certain ways. He's effective. But we can know the truth. We have that scripture. Tell know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we read that and we say it and we hear it. We need to understand that truth will get us out of the fires. That truth will get us right with God. And when we stand before God and we will on judgment day someday, we'll stand before him knowing that we have done everything we need to do that, to not believe Satan, to act in such a way as to Acknowledge that we, we know that he's a liar. Or will we have to answer for believing and acting on Satan's lies? So the question this morning, what do you believe? Should have written it as who do you believe? You believe Satan or you believe Christ? You believe Satan or you believe God who, who gave us those promises? Do you believe Satan who is wrong or do you believe in what is right? The invitation is going to be extended to Everyone, 
And what that means if you're visiting and you've never been here before, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to change. It's a challenge to contemplate where you are and try to realize where you are spiritually and make decisions. Am I where I need to be? Am I out of the fire? Am I away from the danger? Have I been living in such a way as to not take breath? Am I wrong in any way? And so the invitation is a challenge to change. Sometimes for Christians, that challenge can be met by coming forward and acknowledging sin and asking for prayers. Sometimes the challenge can be met by just coming forward and asking for prayers. Not even convincing, just letting acknowledging that you're weak and you need to be strengthened. But the invitation is for someone who hasn't had sins forgiven. And that means you're separated from God and you're in trouble. That means Satan has you and you're in trouble. But if you understand that you are separated from God by sin and you understand that you that you need to change and you believe that Jesus is is God's son and you need to change, repent, turn away from the wrong direction you've been going. And you understand that you need to confess him before men and then put him on in baptism. And then you're clean and you're safe and you're part of a church and you can breathe in this world. If you understand that then respond to that. Let us know about things like that. We would love to, to go through the process of you becoming a Christian or studying with you and, teach, and learning how to become a Christian, how to be right with God. And if there are any other needs that can be met by coming forward, let us know now as we stand and sing.